Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Radical Compliance podcast. I'm your host, Matt Kelly, editor of Radical Compliance, and today we are going to talk more about the role of chief risk officers in large organizations. Some of you might remember that several weeks ago I had a post on Radical Compliance about a study that Deloitte had published examining that role of the chief risk officer, and in that study, which surveyed uh, 500 or so senior corporate executives, Deloitte found that firms with stronger risk management programs correlate to faster growth and that firms generally do want better risk management. So that left me with a few questions, such as what does that mean for when companies should establish a chief risk officer or what would that person actually do? So joining me to talk about issues like that is Chris Ruggieri, and she is the author of the Deloitte Report. And Chris is also a national managing principal at Deloitte Risk and Financial Advisory uh, in that practice there. So Chris, welcome. Thank you. And thank you, Matt, for inviting me to join you for this discussion. All right. So very first question, just define for us what this chief risk officer would do in a large organization, and specifically non-banking, because I know they have their own CROs who do their own kind of thing. But just in the the broad corporate America, what would a chief risk officer be doing in your view? Sure. And I think, you know, to to answer that question, Matt, it really starts with what the objective of the the organization is. What is the company trying to achieve Mm -hmm. strategically and financially? And so the role of, in my view, the role of, of chief risk officer or CRO is to help the organization increase the probability of achieving its strategic and, and financial objectives and building resiliency into the enterprise through, um, through risk management. So I really look at risk as an enabler um, and the CRO as the chief enabler of um, in, in partnering with the C-suite in achieving the, the goals of the organization. Mm-hmm. And so then in your observation, not enough firms are succeeding at, at those type of tasks right now, or, or what chores in risk management are they not doing well enough in, in your observation? Sure. Well, a, a common refrain that I hear from C-suite executives, board directors, and also investors is that risk management is not um, really achieving or meeting their expectations. And part of the reason for that is there's a general sense that risk management has been pushed down into the enterprise um, and it's not connected across the enterprise adequately to provide especially the leaders of the company uh, with the information that they need to to make decisions and, and to move the company in the direction that, that they want to move it. So I think the, the, the future of risk management is really um, changing the, the perspective on risk management from, um, again, uh, as opposed to being a, a compliance function, um, which tends to be self-contained, mm-hmm. being an enabler, being at the service of the enterprise, being, you know, being a, a role that is helpful to various stakeholders or across the organization and helping, you know, in helping the organization and, and specific businesses within that organization achieve their objectives. Um, I think that, you know, that is one of the um, the objectives. And certainly as, you know, as we as we move further into the 21st century, um, 
the other the other common um, common refrain I hear from C-suite executives is that risk management historically has been um, focused on looking in the rearview mirror as opposed to looking forward. Mm-hmm. Enterprise value is a function of you know future expectations of what the organization will achieve. So we're also seeing a pivot in the expectations of risk management about being more forward-looking. So give us predictive information, give us predictive analytics, leverage the the tools available in the marketplace to sense risk so that we can respond to it um, you know, before either it becomes a problem or respond to it if it presents say, an opportunity for us to you know, to improve our top line or bottom line performance. That's another big, uh, big change that we're seeing in the marketplace. That, that leads me to think of another question. I know the report, one of the analyses that you did was to look at how much companies were investing in risk management. Was it 10 million, more or less than 10 million? But I just, I am curious, what is the actual thing that companies would invest in? Is it software? Is it some sort of process re-engineering? Is it people? Or um, how would you figure out you know, whatever the amount of money is? What's it actually going to, to buy and invest in? What's the stuff? That, that, that's a great question. And in fact, one of the things that we advocate um, to our clients is that your investment in your risk organization is is a choice. You have a lot of choices to make. Um, and those choices are a function of you have limited resources. All, all by definition, all resources are scarce. Mm-hmm. So you have a limited amount of resources to invest in in risk management. So where where do you make those investments? And so one of the things that 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 we um, suggest to our clients is that you need to look at risk management like any other investment. Uh, so what are the objectives of that investment? What are the expected, you know, what are the expected financial rewards over what period of time? Um, what's the risk profile? How confident are you that you're going to achieve the objectives of any investment you're making in, in risk management? So, it, you know, and certainly there are certain decisions that are, you know, that are that are simple to make. If there's a hole in the roof, you're going to patch it without doing a whole lot of um analysis. But when it comes to where am I going to to place my bets um, with my risk management uh, investment dollars, part of that, you know, again, comes back to I, I keep I always anchor everything back to the the objectives of the organization. What are you trying to achieve strategically and financially? And how will risk management help you do that specifically? And what are you know, what are those investments in your risk management program that will increase that probability? And then you get into, you know, then you can you can sort through different alternatives. Is it technology? Is it um, hiring new types of talent? Is it improving your operational effectiveness or your efficiency or redefining your governance structure? Um, you know, it, it all starts with, you know, with ultimately anchoring it back to the, 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 the core objective that, that risk is enabling. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly today, um, with the technology that we have at our fingertips, um, you know, not, not utilizing that technology, um, it, you, you kind of do that at your detri- to your detriment because it can be used in a lot of different ways to make, um, 
It can, it can help you operate more efficiently. It can help you do analytics in ways that we could never do before so that you could identify risk or understand risk more efficiently and effectively and then respond to um, a, a, a risky environment um, in, in, in a proactive way. So, you know, it really comes down to looking at your investment in, in a risk uh, management program the same way you would look at any, any other investment in the organization. You know, I have another question that is more about how someone would sort of win the argument across the enterprise to do this, particularly maybe with first line of defense executives who aren't necessarily thinking about risk assurance. They're thinking about operations. But what comes to mind is something a compliance officer once told me. He said, the challenge is that we all know scientists have to do the science. We all know that lawyers have to do the legal and the law, but everybody and their uncle thinks that they get ethics because how hard can that be? We live with ethics. And I sort of wonder if something similar exists with risk that a lot of executives figure, well, I've got a good feel for what the risk is in my own operation. How hard can it be? Do I really need risk management in a disciplined way? Do you, I, I'm just curious what your response would be to that, because I, I do not believe that that is correct view, but I'm not sure that it isn't an uncommon view. I think it's out there, but I'm just wondering, do you think it's out there? Do you think it's uh, something that should be knocked down? I, I, I completely agree that it's something that should be knocked down. And I also agree that that tends to be the prevailing view in many mm -hmm. cases. I think there's a perception that, you know, risk management, I don't want to say that it's easy, but that, you know, I know a risk when I see it and yeah. I can then, I can therefore manage it. The, the challenge comes when, um, when you start aggregating risks or when you sometimes, and we see this all the time in work that we do with our clients where, you know, your intuition about the impact of a particular risk um, doesn't really align with, um, you know, with the reality of what that impact could be mm -hmm. because your view may be, you know, it may be biased because of what you do, or it may be limited in, in scope or perspective, or, you know, risks have interdependencies that, you know, if you're operating in, you know, let's say in a, in a silo within the organization, um, in a, a fairly, you know, narrowly defined role, you may not see all of the implications of, um, of some risk factor. And then the other thing, Matt, that we commonly see is that, um, and I guess it's human nature. We all, we all tend to gravitate towards things that are well known and that we already understand, as opposed to um, as opposed to being drawn to what is difficult to understand or what may be um, somewhat opaque. Mm -hmm. And you know, and let me, and an example of what I'm, I'm 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 getting at here tend to be some of the big strategic risks that have the potential to put you out of business, yeah. <laughs> um, where we sometimes you know, I can't tell you how often um, um, any type of evaluation of marketplace changes, transformational trends are largely ignored um, in, you know, as a risk management best practice because, um, because companies and their executives are just not comfortable. They don't have enough knowledge of those risks and therefore when you don't know about it, you just ignore it. And of course, in this day and age, you do that to your peril because business models are transforming so quickly 
you know, and, and sometimes it's a business model change outside of your industry that could impair your competitiveness. So, so I agree with you that, you know, I think there's a perception that, you know, managing risk is, is kind of easy because I, I know what it is when in fact, you know, it's, it's much more nuanced than that. Where would chief risk officers come from? And maybe also how would they interact with other assurance functions like compliance or audit? You know, what are, what are the roles and responsibilities? How do you clarify all that? Yeah, you know, it's it, that that's a fascinating question right now because it's really changing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first of all, it wasn't it's still not common practice for every company to have a chief risk officer. In fact, there are a lot that that don't where that that responsibility tends to get um, uh, tends to get uh, uh, chunked up and, and distributed around the organization. Um, but but, you know, your question around where do they come from? Um, and what do they do? Um, it's definitely changing because I think historically chief risk officers came out of they had backgrounds in, you know, in audit or compliance. Yeah. Um, and, and you still see a lot of folks that 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 have those backgrounds because and it makes sense because they tend to be, um, um, you know, naturally attuned to risk. But the transformation we're seeing is we're seeing um, and, and actually I, I can use myself as an example. Sure. Um, I lead our risk intelligence business within Deloitte, where we help our clients, um, you know, um, improve the probability of of achieving their objectives through, you know, through leading um, world class risk management methodologies, practices and policies. My background is in M&A. I don't have a I have a finance background and. Um, I've spent my career helping clients, you know, grow their business and achieve, you know, achieve their objectives. And I think that's a recognition of the fact that, you know, we are reimagining, as our as our um, recent uh, study suggests, we are reimagining risks at De- reimagining risk and risk management at Deloitte, and we're uh, and that's what we're helping our clients do. So really looking at risk through a, a very different lens. Instead of it being, you know, a, prote- a purely protective, you know, deflecting things that are attacking the organization, um, how can we use risk management as an enabler of our success? And that's what, you know, and I think the, what we're starting to see are, you know, folks that are taking on risk responsibilities that are coming from a much more diverse uh, range of backgrounds, not just uh, simply limited to compliance or, or audit type professionals. So if you wind up as a large organization, you're creating this chief risk officer role. Uh, a couple of different readers had asked me after my first post, so who reports into or works with the CRO? And one or two of them were very pointed that say, you know, if you think legal or finance are ever going to answer to a chief risk officer, that ain't going to happen. Now, that was their opinion. I don't know how true that is, but clearly there's some skepticism about how do you fit this new piece of the puzzle into the whole? Just what do you think? Yeah, you know, again, it's it, it, it's it, it really the, the answer to the question really st- needs to to um, to start and end with what you're trying to accomplish and, you know, and, and how and how these different roles interact with each other. Um if a you know I, I i don't i don't expect that in the near term you'll have you know finance reporting to uh chief risk officer or 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 necessarily legal um uh 
Um, but, you know, but I think in, in the long term, I mean, we, we certainly have some finance organizations where the de facto chief risk officer is the CFO. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so 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 I do think there there is some overlap today. And and, and I don't think it's I, I don't even think that debate is, um, you know, it, it's really not it's really not the right question to debate. The right question is, how can I organize my um, the resources within my my company to achieve you know what we're trying to achieve and how do the how do the different um, these these different domains interact with each other to you know collectively improve the chances that we're going to be successful so I think the reporting relationships you know are when you think about what reporting relationships are, are supposed to do um, it's supposed to help you stay organized, drive performance, get the right resources to the right places at the right times. Um, and so I think that, you know, in the short term, I don't expect to see um, chief risk officers, you know, necessarily taking over, you know, large swaths of the organization. I think it's going to be more in a creative role um, that, you know, is increasingly a direct report into the C-suite. Would this ever be? duplicative or jostling elbows with the internal audit function? I could see some people wondering about that. I, I think it, it, it shouldn't be jostling elbows. Again, it should be oriented towards organizing your resources to, you know, to succeed. Mm -hmm. um, and the jostling of elbows, if that happens, it's because, um, you know, because the, 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 the company doesn't have the right organization in place with the right reporting and, and or the right roles and responsibilities and competencies. All right. So I, I just don't think that that's a I think that's a challenge that's easy to overcome. I think the starting point is, you know, um, at a macro level, what are you trying to achieve? And now let's determine who in the organization is best equipped to do that um, and who they need to interact with in order to be effective. Mm -hmm. Well, Chris, that's all the time that we have here today, but you gave us a lot to think about. So, uh, you know, th that's it for now. But very, thank you very much for your time. This has been very informative. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Matt. Again, everyone, that was Chris Ruggieri of Deloitte, a national managing principal at the firm's risk and financial advisory practice. And she was here to talk with us about the evolving role of the corporate chief risk officer and how companies might try to define that position and strengthen your risk management efforts generally. That is all for this podcast. I'm Matt Kelly, editor of Radical Compliance. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you'll join me again next time.